I want to welcome you today to the Avenue Church. My name is Justin Graham. I'm the lead pastor here at the Avenue Church, the most exciting church in Morristown, Tennessee. We are so glad you are here. You may be seated, but as you do so, I want you to turn to your neighbors and say, get a good look, because I won't look this good again until next week. If you are a guest with us today, thank you so much for coming and joining with us and worshiping the Lord with us. There is a connection card. You should have been given one. If you didn't get a connection card, if you would just simply raise your hand right now, our uh, ushers and greeters would love to, to get a connection card to you. We'd love for you just to fill that out, drop that in the offering in just a few moments, or see myself after service and give it to me personally. We'd love to get to know you and a little bit more about you and get you plugged in here uh, to the Avenue Church. But we're glad you are here. It is the first day of December. Amen. And it is, it is, um, and now it's now officially okay to say that you have your house decorated for Christmas. I've had mine decorated for a while, so I just, but now I can let it shine. (laughs) But I want to give the Lord a big, huge praise and give him all the credit for what he did last week through the Avenues Ministry. We, had, we were able to feed 51 families, provide them with turkey and Thanksgiving meals and reach out to them. We are so blessed to be a blessing. Amen. That's what we do while we do. And so I, I want to say great job to you all for showing the love and hope of Jesus to our community. That's what it is all about. We are so proud of you and all that God is doing through you. God is faithful. You know what I'm saying? God is so good. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Those of you who are a guest or maybe you're a returning guest and you don't know about version, we put our outline uh, for Sunday mornings on version. It's a free app for your phone, your iPads. And you can follow us if you'll just type in the Avenue Church or you can type in under live events, type in um, 37814. Uh, it'll bring up our outline today. And the outline you'll see on there is Tis the Season. You're welcome to follow along there. If you don't have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to follow on the screen today. But in Luke chapter 18, today marks the first day of a brand new series called Tis the Season. And today is Believe. Somebody say Believe. Luke chapter 18 and verses 15 through 17 reads this. Some people were even bringing infants to him, to Jesus, so he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them. Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you, Lord, that we can call you Father. Thank you that you have sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to live and to die for us. And Father, we thank you for this time of the year that we can celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, just like when we were little children, let faith arise in us once again. Help us, God, to believe in you stronger than we ever have. And Lord, over the next few minutes, help me to speak your word and what you need to say to us today. And God, let us never look at the Christmas season the same ever again. Let us be challenged when we leave this place 
to go into all the world, to go into this city, go into our families, and share the good news of Jesus Christ and cause others to believe again. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's something special about Christmas time and the concept of believing. You know, when you were a child, bedtime was the place where believing came alive. Take your back, take yourself back to when you were a little child. And when you had mom or dad or nana or granddad or whoever it was that may have stepped by your bed or sat down with you on your bed and started telling you some stories. And, and, and if you're anything like me and you have, you have kids or you've had kids and you know that the Disney experience, believing is magical. And so if you, if you think about some of the Disney characters, one in which there's a, a, a little boy and, and, and a sister and, and, the, and other cousins, and they believe that if you sprinkle some magic dust on you, then Peter Pan will appear. And he'll come in that night and everybody can fly and we can fly, we can fly, we can fly. If you've ever been a parent and you've heard that song, that will stick in your head for hours. You'll go through department stores thinking, we can fly, we can fly. People will look at you like you're crazy. But there's something about bedtime that makes stories seem so real. And you also have uh, the, the scary stories. Now I have just a little bed here with with Peter Pan on it and, and some Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles are awesome. And if you can just take yourself back to when you were a child and you remembered some of the stories and how your imagination would run wild. Think about it for a minute. Here, here you are. It could, be, it could be one of those nights where you knew for a fact that there was a monster under your bed. You were convinced that there was something rattling your bed and every sound that was made, you could hear them. Or, if it wasn't under your bed, it was in your closet. But here's what's bad. You see, you get in this bed, and you just knew that there was a monster somewhere. And it's black. You got the shadows on the wall. And you're getting ready to go to battle with the monster that's under your bed. But here's the problem. You got to go pee. And somehow... You've got to get from here to the door without one of them grabbing your leg. And so here you are as a kid, you're contemplating, I can do this. This monster is not getting me tonight. And so you leap out of bed and you make it to the door going, oh, thank goodness. And then it hits you, I've got to get back. Somehow I've got to get back. And so you do it all over again, you run, you jump in the bed, and you're, oh, I made it, thank you, Lord, I made it back in my bed. And you're jumping up and down, woohoo! and your parents, hey, knock it off, you know. And you jump down, everything's right, and you go to sleep. But then there's those nights where you've lost a tooth. Everybody knows what's going to happen when you lose a tooth. Tooth fairy's going to come. Have you ever thought about that? That's creepy. Somebody's going to sneak in your house while you're sleeping. Come into your bedroom, reach up underneath your head, and then here you are. You're all asleep. You're excited because you lost your first tooth, and then you look under your pillow, and you pull out a dollar. What am I going to do with a dollar? Nowadays, I can't afford the tooth fairy to come to our house. But my, my best friend got like a, a car and a doll, and I'm thinking, it's a tooth. But, but then, then, then there's, another, there's another one, right? There's, there's another guy. Who comes on December 25th 
You're trying to tell me as a kid that there's going to be a, a great big old man in a red suit when I go to sleep is going to come into our house and leave me lots of presents? Are you kidding me? That's the greatest thing ever. He's going to pop out a magical chimney and come down in, in, in our house and give us all kinds of presents. What greater experience for a kid is there than Santa Claus? You know it. Sing it with me. Oh, you better watch out. Yeah. Why? Yes. So you've been there. We, we know, we know that on the 25th or the 24th that night that Santa is coming and it's just the greatest experience ever. Being a bedtime believer. Your imagination comes alive. You remember those days. We believed it. And no matter what your parents or anyone told you, if you believed it was real, then it was real. But what happened? We grew up. And reality slapped you in the face. And we don't believe in the monsters anymore. Instead, your monsters come in the form of bill collectors. And divorce attorneys. They come at your front door and ring the doorbell. You see, reality sets in and we don't believe anymore. Remember when you were a child and believed in God and how big He was? Remember how easy it was to believe in Him? That he was the God that was amazing and all-powerful. And he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we believed how awesome that was. You believed in how, how, how I'm so small and he's so big and you believed that he loved you. You believed that you could trust him. You believed in Jesus. You knew that Christmas had a special meaning just because of Jesus and you actually believed in the Bible. And it wasn't just a book of fairy tales and dreams and you actually believed that things happened. But one day you grew up and reality slapped you in the face and if you're not careful... Now you have moved God into the same category as Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy. After all, if you're a person who doubts, isn't the Bible just a book of fairy tales? I mean, it's a book with stories about a man who was swallowed up by a big fish. Come on. Could that really happen, you say? And if it ever did, what does it have to do with me? I don't, I don't plan on getting swallowed up by a fish. Instead, I've got some problems that are about to swallow me up. How's that going to help me? Because I'm grown up now, right? I'm an adult now. I've got to look like an adult. I've got to act like an adult. I've got to talk like an adult. I've got to live like an adult. I don't have time for that anymore. I don't have time for stories anymore. I don't have time for the fairy tales anymore. I don't have time to hear things like three men that were put into the fire and God miraculously delivered them. I've got my own problems. You see, the problem is churches that we don't believe anymore. My prayer for you is this. It's time to come back to being a bedtime believer once again. It's time to be a bedtime believer. What if you could have the faith of a child again? You ever watch the child's eyes light up when you tell them a story? They're clinging on to every word you're saying. It's just like they're awestruck. 
You see, unfortunately, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible all get grouped together with fantasies and fairy tales. We no longer have the capacity to believe that such things are real or even possible. But what if we could all go back to being bedtime believers again? It's, it's getting back to a childlike faith. You see, verse 17 says, I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He's talking about dominion, a way of life. The kingdom is simply put, the king's dominion. When you step into the king's dominion, you step into the way the king does things. And in order for you to have the access to the benefits of the kingdom, you have to get there. You have to be there. Some of you will never get there because you've got it all figured out. You can handle all your own problems and you're strong enough to deal with life on your own. So until you become like a little child again, you're not going to be able to step into his way of doing things and his blessings. You see, 1 John 4, 4 reads us this. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is it talking to? Little children. That's us. We're his children. Inside someone who has the faith of a little child. First John 2, 1 says this, my little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. Referring to us again as his little children. Romans 8, 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In the English culture, in the American culture, usually the baby's first words, because it's easy to say and it's formed easy in their mouth, is da, da. In the Hebrew culture, a baby's first words usually is Abba. Abba. You see, Paul is painting the picture that you are no longer on the outskirts. You are no longer cut off from the Father, but you can run up to a loving Father and cry out, Abba! You see, some of you may not have had the opportunity to experience the love of an earthly father. It's okay. Because when you experience the love of our Heavenly Father, it will make up for any lack of love that an earthly father could give you. Can I get an amen? Your, hev- your, your, father may, your earthly father may not have been there for you, but your Heavenly Father will be there for you every single time. Can I, can I be honest with you for a minute? Can I be vulnerable with you for a minute? You see, I'm a person just like you. And on Sunday mornings and when we're all together... When I stand up before you, I, it, it's, it's kind of imperative that I do so with a little bit of confidence. It, it would be kind of awkward if I got up here and be like. Guys, Jesus loves you. You know, it, it would be kind of awkward if I did that. And so it's imperative that I carry myself with a little bit of confidence. But can I be honest with you? There's days when I feel about that small. There's days when I find myself in my office and I cower down on my knees and I get before the Lord and I say, God, I feel so overwhelmed. I feel so useless. I feel so helpless. I feel so inadequate. And it's time like that that God wraps his arms of love around me and takes me in his arms and then reassures me and encourages me that he's with me and that he'll never leave me or forsake me. That right there is priceless. 
when you have that kind of relationship with the Father. It's times like that you can go to your Heavenly Father and cry out, Abba. Have you ever had a dream and you thought that dream was real? Have you ever woke up and you were convinced that you stole your best friend's pair of shoes and gave them to your teacher at school and you knew that when you were going to walk in that she was going to be wearing your best friend's shoes? The dream was so real. I've woken up before going, why did I do that? Oh, I didn't do that. You ever woke up when you were a little kid and you had a nightmare? And maybe you woke up and you were screaming, you were crying. And you cried out for your mom and you cried out for your dad. And they showed up in the doorway and it's just like that. The nightmare was over because you knew if they were there it was going to be okay. Allow me to share with you that there are some of you that are so close to crying out to God. And when you do, your Heavenly Father will be there for you. Your problem is over. Your nightmare will be over. The storm is over. When God shows up, when the Father shows up, the nightmare is over. Well, Pastor Justin, what about the monsters? There's that, there's that monster in, in our marriage. And don't anybody point to your husband or wife right now. There's that monster in our family, and don't point to your kids either. There's that monster in our finances, and they're just waiting to reach up and grab us and tear us apart. You ever had a situation in life where you just felt like you wanted to skip those things? Have you ever played with a DVR? Those things are awesome. You can record something, and you can watch a show in like 40 minutes compared to like the hour and 20 that it took because of all the commercials. It's great because you can push pause and go get a drink. You can push pause and, and, and go use the restroom. You can push pause, get the kids in bed, brush your teeth, and come back an hour later and it's still there waiting on you. What do we ever do before DVR? If you watch something live, you're like, why won't this thing fast forward? I, I don't get it. But have you ever been in a situation in life where you just wish you could just skip the bad scenes? Skip the bad parts? God, can I just skip this part of my life? Can I just skip this scene? Listen to what I'm about to tell you, and you may want to write this down. It's the scenes that you all want to skip that produce the endings that you all want to experience. It's the scenes that you want to skip in life that produce the endings that we all want to experience. We all want to stand on the victory's podium, but you don't want to go through what he had to get there. The only way to victory is to fight through it. It was Joseph's time in slavery and prison that put him in a position to save his family and an entire nation. It was the persecution that the apostles would have wanted to skip that ended up being the catalyst for the rapid spread of the gospel. And it was the cross of Jesus that provided salvation for all who would believe. Jesus would have loved to skip this scene, but that would have taken away from our greatest victory. It was because of the cross that you and I can find salvation. Somebody say a good amen. Amen. Go ahead, praise the Lord for a minute. Nothing of great worth comes at a low cost. Any avid shoppers in here, you know that. Well, I paid a dollar ninety-nine for this. Why is it falling apart? The hardest things of your life are the necessary stepping stones to the greatest breakthroughs and victories in your life. If you feel like life is at its worst, if you feel like there's a monster under your bed, that means that you are only that much closer 
to your greatest victory and God stepping in. It's time to believe again. Somebody say believe. So how do I do this, Pastor Justin? And on that note, I thank you for asking me. Let me take you to three things before I'm done. Three things that will help you become a bedtime believer once again. Number one, expect the impossible. Somebody say expect the impossible. Expect the impossible with childlike faith. Making sure my kids are down there. We have a little thing in our house that we've bought this, this Christmas season called the Elf on the Shelf. And every morning or every night, this elf goes back to the North Pole to tell Santa how they've been behaving. It happens. And in the morning, he's in a different place in our house. And so every morning for the past couple of weeks, our kids have been so excited to wake up in the morning, running all over the house to see who can find the elf first. And the elf gets in some trouble sometimes. He, he tries to fix things in the middle of the night. He tries to make cookies in the middle of the night. It's, I mean, he eats sweet tarts in the middle of the night. It's the, it's the greatest thing ever. And, and to us, we say, well, you know what? That's impossible. You try telling that to my kids. Just because you don't believe, that doesn't mean it's not real. They believe it because they are living with a childlike faith and they expect the impossible to happen. In 2 Kings chapter 4 is an amazing story of a man and a woman, a husband and wife that, that loved Elisha the prophet. They admired him and respected the man of God so much that they built an addition onto their house just for him when he came through so that he could stay with them and have a place of rest. That's, that's loving the man of God. You can build me a room on your house if you want to. Just kidding. Please don't do that. And, and the Bible says that they put into this room a bed, a lampstand, and a candlestick. And when he would come through, that's where he would stay. He would stay with them because they loved him and respected him so much. And Elisha, knowing this, one day asked the woman, said, you know, you've done all this for me. What can I do for you? And, and, and here the woman tries to be humble about the whole process and says, you know, it's, it's nothing. Well, the, it says, the Bible says that the servant speaks up and says, she's lying. <laughs> That's my terminology. But she said, she's lying. She, she is not able to have a child. She would really like to have a child. And so the Bible tells us that Elisha tells her, this time next year you will have a son in your arms. And so process happens she has a child it's a boy she's amazed by it she loves it and so one day the bible says that the boy goes out with his father to work and he becomes ill his head begins to hurt and the father sends the boy home to his mother and by the time he gets there he's feeling worse and when he gets home he dies in his mother's arms now picture this the place where the miracle was born was the same place where it died Oh, but she was a bedtime believer. So what does she do? The Bible says she picks the boy up. She carries him into the room that she had built for Elisha where the man of God had laid. And she puts him in the bed. Now hear me out. And the Bible says that she gets up, leaves, and shuts the door. Can I preach for just a second this morning? I wish some of you would live by that concept in your life today. Stop focusing on the dead things in your life. Get your mind on a miracle. Shut the door to the dead relationships. Shut the door on the job that didn't work. Shut the door on the fear in your life. Shut the door on the unbelief and turn towards your miracle. Expect the impossible. She expected the impossible. She believed.
She believed that if God gave me the boy the first time, he can give him to me again. Church, God is a God that if he did it the first time, he surely can do it again. So stop worrying about the job that you lost. Who gave you the job in the first place? If he provided you with one to begin with, he will surely give you another one. Can I get an amen? Stop worrying over the relationship that didn't work. He brought you out of that one so he can get you a better one. If he can do it once, he can do it again. That's good preaching. Well, thank you. She she walked away. She shut the door. And the Bible says, this is putting it in my terminology, she went to Elijah and she said, I told you not to mess with me, boy. That's not what she really said. She actually said, you know, don't deceive me. And she says, I didn't ask for a child, but you gave me one. And so I expect him to come back alive. If God can give a barren woman a child, he can bring them back again. And then she says, now get back in there and go do your thing. You read it for yourself. So what does Elisha do? He gets in there and does his thing. The Bible says he gets eye to eye, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, lays on top of this boy. And what happens? He comes back to life. He walks him out of the room, gives him to his mother. God can bring dead things back to life. If you expect the impossible to happen, it's living with an impossible faith. It's living with a childlike faith. It's living with an Ephesians 3.20 faith. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. No matter what the devil says, no matter what circumstances may say, no matter what our natural senses might try to tell us, if we'll refuse to doubt, refuse to fear, and believe in God, and believe in the miracle, it will surely come. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. But there's a problem. There's a sickness that's going around in our world today, and I call it the WCS. It's called the worst case scenario. I'm guilty. Well, what if I go to the doctor and he says, we throw in there, well, the worst case scenario, you fill in the blank. Well, what if my children, they, they act this way and they do this in school and they grow up to do this? The worst case scenario is this happens. Well, what if this happens in my life and my job does this to me and I can't pay the bill? Then the worst case scenario is I'll just have to. It's called the, it's called the, the WCS and it's, it's a sickness in our mind. But I want to challenge you to live with the BCS. And I'm not talking about the dysfunctional football computer system, but live with the best case scenario. It's the opposite of the WCF, CS. When was the last time you woke up with the BCS mentality? Other people may lose their job today, but the best case scenario for me is I'm going to get a raise. Well, my children are, you know, their children may be acting crazy, but my children are going to live up to the standard that God has given them, and they're going to do great things in this world, best case scenario. Well, I'm going to the doctor today, and I know what the doctor may say, and I know what my friend said because she read it on Wikipedia, but I can tell you what, the best case scenario is that I walk out there healed and delivered in the name of Jesus. Man, slap your neighbor a high five and tell him I'm living on the BCS. You see, I, I'm, I'm still working on this myself because I'm just be honest. When I look at a situation, I look at all the way from the beginning to the end, and I go... It's not matching up here. 
You see, it's in those moments, listen to me, church, it's in those moments that I have to remind myself of who I am and who He is. I am a child of God, and He is my Father. He owns it all, and He orders every step that I take. He can open doors that no man can shut, and He can shut doors that no man can open. He can open the windows of heaven in my life and pour down so many blessings. This Christmas, start living on the BCS. Somebody shout a good amen. Well, Pastor Justin, I just don't get into all that positive thinking stuff. Then I want to put you on notice that you've got a problem with the Bible then. Because it's full of positive stuff. It doesn't matter what you believe. This Bible is real. And the stories in it are real. It's full of BCS. And the last time I checked, my Bible tells me in Philippians 4 and 8 that whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence in anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So I'm going to live my life on what God says. We can end right there and call it a good day. Expect the impossible. Secondly, question with faith. Question with a childlike faith. You see, we've been told throughout our lives to never question God. Well, then if that's the case, then David was wrong. And if that's the case, then Mary was wrong. Hear me out. Let me explain. It's not the questioning of God that's wrong. It's the heart that it's done in. Let me explain this. In Luke chapter 1, you have two people that are given an announcement from the angel Gabriel. Mary and Zechariah. Zechariah is told by the angel of the Lord that his wife will conceive and give birth to a child. He then says, how can this be when my woman is so old? <laughs> That's what it says. And then Mary is told that you will be, you will conceive and give birth to a child by the same angel, and that she will conceive and give birth. And Mary says, How can this be? Listen to the difference. Zechariah questions how and adds, Because my woman is so old. Because he was going through the rituals of religion. So when he questioned, he asked out of a heart of doubt. But Mary said, how shall it be? Can you just tell me how? You ask questions from doubt when there is a lack of relationship with God. One of the things that extinguishes childlike faith from your life is substituting religion for relationship. There are too many people that think they're good just because they have religion down, but they have no relationship. These are the people that will say to the Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we cast out that in your name? And he will have to say to them, I never knew you. You must have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, to access the power of God freely given to us by the Holy Spirit. To those of us who have a relationship with God, we look up and say, I don't doubt that you have a plan for my life, but can you just let me in on a little bit of it? I know that you're going to work out things for my good because I love you, but can you just help me through the process? You see, you cannot have a person who has a relationship, a real relationship with God, that doesn't have an unlimited faith in God. 
It is relationship that builds trust, not religion. Relationship allows rooms, room for questions. Religion says that you're wrong if you question God, but questions of faith and not doubt produce powerful results. Because it's questions of anticipation. It's questions of expectations of how awesome you're going to do this thing, God. So you want to get back to being a believing, a bedtime believer for God and, and believe in everything uh, for God and from God. Expect the impossible. Question with faith. And lastly, today, and I'm done, see through the eyes of a child. See through the eyes of a child. If you've ever had kids and you've watched their imagination light up and you see how they believe the stories that you tell them. It's an amazing thing. And if you ever get a chance to go to Disney World, go to Disney World. It's amazing because your kid will go through that place and just go crazy with excitement. And the next thing they'll say after every event is, what's next? What's next? Not because I want to go home. No, what's next? Because I cannot wait for the next thing to happen. This is amazing. You know, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Just <laughs> it just flowed good. It just flowed good. Last Christmas, you know, there's always that one gift that your child wants. What do you want for Christmas? I want Bob. And it's just that main thing. And so last year, on Christmas morning, the main thing for both of them was sitting out. It wasn't wrapped because they don't bring wrapped gifts. And so there they are, and Jocelyn comes running upstairs, and, and she... She looks in the living room, and there it is, and she goes, Santa came, Santa came, Santa came, and she just went crazy, and I loved it. I'll never forget that moment, because she was so thrilled of what happened the night before. The big man came, and there it was. What if you could see through those eyes again? What if you could see that with God, anything is possible? What if you could get back to that place that no matter what your problem is in life, and no matter what's been thrown your way, you always just step back and say, it's cool. God will work it out. What if you could see that way again? Anything is possible. If you can ask it, then you can get it. That's what it says. Whatsoever you ask, that you will receive. But there's a sad story in the Bible as I try to bring this thing to a close in Mark chapter 6, 1 through 6. And it's about Jesus coming to his hometown. And here Jesus is coming off of like one of the greatest and coolest ministry tours of all time. <laughs> Performing miracle after miracle for people, showing that he is the real Messiah. And the Bible says that he comes back to his hometown, and, and it's just, eh. The people really didn't believe. And in verse 6, it says this, And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus wanted to heal people, but he couldn't because of their lack of faith. Have you ever wondered why some churches and some people experience the power of God on a greater level than others? Why some people seem to be magnetic for miracles and the extraordinary while others only ever hear about them and nothing really ever good happens to them? What's the difference? Do they serve a different God? No, they just see a different God. They, they see a God of, the world will see a God of limitations and I see a God of no limits. You see, they see a, a small God, but I see a big God. The doubting person will, will see a God that's running out, but I see a God that's running over. 
The problem here was not Jesus. It's not like his power ran out. The problem was with how the people perceived him. They only saw him as the carpenter's son. And if we needed some work done around the house, then we'll go see him. But if we need a miracle, he's not the one because we saw him grow up. We know what he's all about. How do you see Jesus today? You see, these people saw him only as a carpenter, and that's exactly what they got. At this point of his ministry, Jesus was on a roll. Hear me. In fact, in this chapter of Mark, we pick up in the middle of a regional speaking tour, and Jesus was practically packing out coliseums, coliseums of people who can hear him and be healed by him. You would expect him to be able to roll into his own hometown and do even greater things. But that's not what happens. Instead, all he can do is heal a common cold. Why? They didn't believe. Why does the Bible say that Jesus couldn't do miracles? Not wouldn't, but couldn't. When you read the above passage in one verses 1 through 6, it's pretty clear. The miracle working power of Jesus wasn't limited because of his ability because they did not believe. And their unbelief was tied directly to what they saw. And they didn't see very much. Because they did not perceive, they were unable to receive. And like most American Christians, their exposure to Jesus was great. But also like most American Christians, their experience with Jesus was limited. There's a big difference. That's why he was amazed at their lack of faith. And that's why his power was limited. The determining factor in the activity of God in our churches and in our lives isn't even who Jesus is. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It really comes down to this. It's not who he is. It's how we see him. These people saw him as a carpenter. And that's what they got. Others had seen him as someone capable of miracles. That's what they got. I'm going to ask our musicians to come down. Hear me, church, as they begin to play. Hear me what I'm telling you. The same principle that applied back then is still true today. If you see Jesus as a good teacher, that's all you're going to get. If you see him as someone who used to move in power, then that's all you're going to get. If you see him as someone who used to move in in miracles and in powers, then you're going to see a used to be God. Well, I know God used to do that. And I know he used to go through there and go through those places and, and do great things. I know Jesus used to do that. If that's all you see him, if that's all you see him as, then you'll continue to see him as a used to be God. When it comes to Jesus, what you see is what you get. But if you could see him today, church, as the one who sits on the throne, the one beholding all power, and he has made that power readily available for you today, it's all in how you see him. Christmas, for some, can be the most depressing time of the year. And we don't have to go through all the laundry list of why. But my challenge to you is this. Change your perception. This season, I want you to see Jesus in a new way. If you feel all alone, see him as Emmanuel, because he is God with us. If you've got problems in your life, your marriage may be falling apart, and your kids are acting out, see him as wonderful counselor. 
If your mountain seems too big to climb and the situation seems greater than what you knew, see him as almighty God. Are you in a storm of life and the waves are crashing over you? See him as the prince of peace. Have you been given a a, a bad doctor's report and you're afraid of the sickness trying to take hold of your body? See him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. If your bank account is running low and you're not sure how the bills are going to get paid, see him as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is your provider. Is life hitting you from every direction and you feel like everything is caving in on you? See him as the everlasting father. The one you can cry out to. It's in how you see him. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Magnify. See him bigger. See him greater. See him through the eyes of a child. Nothing is impossible. Tis the season to believe because everything is possible. I've got great expectation. I'm going to live my life in the BCS. Best case scenario. Only belief. Will you stand with me this morning? Nothing is impossible.